Hello, collectors! I am John, the 3D 80s kid, with another Four Collectors live stream. This week, we are talking about overrated, underrated, or properly rated players. And this time, we are going to the 1980s and 1990s with Hall of Fame players who primarily had their prime during that era. So let's get this thing rolling. Welcome to Four Collectors. All right, to kick this episode off, first I want to say we are so close to having 500 collectors subscribe to this channel. So if you are watching this and not subscribed, uh, we are only five away. Please uh, hit that subscribe button if you are not already and join us. Uh, so my cast this week of characters, I have got... Darren from Return to Collecting. Welcome back for our discussion. Hey, John. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for uh, being on the panel once again. And, oh, it's great to have you. Yep, next. I'm sure uh, he's going to please lots of people like he did last time. We've got Drew from the Drew of Vintage Legacy. Welcome, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me back on anyway great to have you i mean anybody that stirs up lots of any kind of attention is is great for the show right I you know that. everybody loves drama <laughs> all right and saving our butt at the last minute coming in is billy ballgame who was available uh adam from splendid sports had to bail due to family obligations so thank you uh for joining us billy no problem you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel now subbing me for adam ah <laughs> oh, come on don't sell yourself short but uh uh before we get started let's take a peek at who we got here uh welcome steven sports md card collector orlando at a collector's dream james gillum uh, Bry Dazzle, we got uh, Stukes, Baseball Cards and Curiosities, God. Lou Rock, welcome everyone. So hey, Lou. Uh, once again, we are going to be uh, having some interactive discussion on how we feel about certain uh, players. Uh, in this case, it's from our, you know, most, pretty much our childhood as uh, we are all uh kids of uh, the 80s to early 90s here so uh, we got a few more people that joined the stream warren d73 welcome uh dylan over at double d welcome yourself so everyone in the audience feel free to chime in with your opinions i don't have a background producer tonight so i will do my best to stay up with the chat comments and the discussion both uh, but uh, the, the basically the ground rules here from what we started from is I emailed these guys a list of 46 Hall of Famers players who primarily played their primes in the 80s and 90s and asked them to give me their take on if they were overrated, underrated, or properly rated. And uh, so I've got that data. Uh, we're going to be... Uh, 
skimming through pretty quickly on the folks where we generally agreed on and then diving in deeper after that on the folks where we got uh, polar opposite views. So uh, anybody at any time, feel free to chime in on your thoughts on these players. Uh, uh, let's go ahead and get started. So to go real quickly, everybody on this group was deemed properly rated by all four of us, and that is Roberto Alomar, Jeff Bagwell, Andre Dawson, Mike Mussina, and Tim Raines. Oh, by the way, I did not mention I am not including any of the Reuters. This is not going to devolve into a steroids discussion too much. You know, some people have slight allegations associated with them, maybe, but they still made the Hall of Fame. But this isn't intended to be a steroid uh, argument here. So, um, Next group of players is one person thought they were underrated, and that includes Craig Biggio, Wade Boggs, Ken Griffey Jr., Chipper Jones, Edgar Martinez, Pedro Martinez, Cal Ripken Jr., and Larry Walker. And the one I wanted to ask about on this list would be Mr. Ken Griffey Jr. and wondering why the hobby darling of this era could be underrated. Uh, Drew, you want to respond to that? Uh, well, I mean, I was his, or he's my guy, you know, and uh, I know Billy's a huge fan like I am. And um, I don't know. I think, I, I think one of the things with Griffey is he, while he's so highly, he was so hot in the nineties and he was so, he was it. I mean, he was as big as it gets. He was, he was, in my opinion, as equal as Michael Jordan was in basketball during that time era. Um, but he, you know, when he went to Cincinnati and then his, his, his started hitting some injuries and his, he became a, um, he, he sort of became not an average player, but he just wasn't the Griffey of the 90s anymore uh, as far as his production. Um, people started like hating it. And like I hear, so when I, when I did this list, okay, um, I, I didn't base it on card prices because obviously his prices still are much higher than so many other guys because I don't buy current players. I don't, I don't buy cards like that. So I really don't know. And I didn't want to speak as some sort of an expert in something that I don't actively do. Um, so what I did it is I, I looked at it more of when a player's name comes up in discussion in chat rooms or with friends or just whatever, based on what I saw, because I saw all of these guys play one way or the other. Um, it's it's how is the spin like how how the way how the way how is a player remembered compared to what I remember seeing him. Um, so anyway, with Griffey, uh, I, I see stuff like um, I think was well, I don't know was it was it you Billy? Somebody said that they'll only buy Griffey if they're in the Mariners uniform. Um, you know, and, and there's sort of this hate not hate but disdain for the fact that he went to Cincinnati. And what I remember about him going to Cincinnati was he actually took a, a pay cut to go to Cincinnati because that was his hometown. He actually went to a team to try to be on a competitive team, which is ironic considering as soon as he left, the Mariners broke the record for the most wins in a season. But, you know, he went to be go home. And I think there was so much character built into that. Um, but for some reason, because he was he's not 24 on the Mariners um, and he's not the, the Griffey when he was in his 20s, People don't look at his Cincinnati years the same. So I, I hear a lot of that, um, 
not hatred. It's not a hatred at all because he's still well loved. It's just sort of like uh, I don't count when he was in Cincinnati, but he played almost half of his career there. Um, and what he showed when he was in Cincinnati was he was just human, which a lot of guys that he played with were showing they weren't human. And we're not going to get into that discussion as we've already talked about. Uh, right. But his body started to deteriorate because he played hard. He played all the time. And I think there's there's a lot of value um, in a player like that that just goes out for 20-something years, plays his butt off, plays super hard, and then, you know, because of that, there's a deterioration in his numbers in his career. And the people are like, ah, they don't want to, you know, he, he wasn't as good or I really like it. And I'm not putting you down at all, Billy. I'm just saying there's a lot of that in the hobby. So I think I feel that part of it, his second half of his career, is underrated because he did so much for baseball when baseball really needed a hero, um, you know, before and after the strike years. And he wasn't the only one that did it, but he was definitely one of the ones that did it. So that's why I think his whole career needs to be looked at, not just the first part of it when he was phenomenal uh, with what he was doing. All right. Uh, apparently, uh, we should have invited Dylan if we wanted, really wanted to stir people up since he... Yeah. Uh, yeah, did you see those comments? Yeah, um, Wayne, he'll text me privately and say he apologizes because I'm right. Um. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's move on. Uh, the next grouping, one person thought all these guys were overrated, and that is Gary Carter, Barry Larkin, Kirby Puckett, Lee Smith, and Bruce Suter. And the one I thought was a little odd here was uh, Darren, who's uh, hating on the two uh, relief pitchers. Uh, what, what's up uh, with Lee Smith and Bruce Suter uh, for you? So <clears throat> they're good pitchers. Not going to question that. One of my, I have an issue with the Veterans Committee at the Hall of Fame recently, and I would say that had those some had those guys specifically not gotten in the Hall of Fame. I probably would not have put them as uh, as overrated, but as a Hall of Famer, I have a, a bar, and I don't. I just don't think that they could cleared that, warranting being you know being in the Hall of Fame, right? Like you don't belong. I don't think they belong in Cooperstown, so I'm calling them overrated. All right, we got a comment. Uh, no way, Puckett was overrated. Twins don't win. I didn't put Puckett overrated though. I put Puckett. You did top. not. Yeah. I, I was the one who did that, oh, and okay. I I did it because I felt like uh, he got a little bit of a glorification because we never got to see him decline because of his uh, what is this vision problem that made mm -hmm. him quit almost instantly. And so it puts them kind of in a different place from other people uh, because all we saw was peak. So that's kind of where I, I I took it. So, but uh, his peak was so good, though. He just didn't get to stick around very long. And I, I put him at properly rated. Uh, I think there's a big difference in the homers, so I wouldn't exactly call him that similar to Trout, but <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting comparison. I, yeah, I, I think one of the things with Puckett um, was not his stats because that's the hard <laughs> thing when you're looking back at stats 
this is the difference between this discussion and the last one we had a few months ago was, you know, Puckett electrified that team. Puckett led that team. And you don't see that on baseball reference. Um, there And there are guys that we, I don't know if we'll get into all of them, but that, that's why I rated them like underrated or whatever, because they were electrifying for their team and for their fans. And, you know, Curry Puckett, you know, he won two World Series with not an all-star lineup team. You know, he didn't, he didn't have the 50s Yankees in there or the, the 70s Reds or whatever. You know, he was, he was a, a, an amazing player um, with pretty good pitching. We're not going to talk about Jack Morris at 91, but, um, but the point is, is that he electrified his fans to a point and a level that just was almost unparalleled. And, and there's a whole lot to go with that. You know, the whole Homer dome and the, the noise factor with the metronome and all that stuff, but all that, he took all that and he, he did it with dignity. He did it with character. You know, he was, he, he was having fun out there, but he worked his butt off. He played a hard position and he did it well. And I think, uh, you know, I think Puckett doesn't always get the love he should get because he did so much and he didn't quit because he just didn't feel like it. You know, he, his eyesight was something he couldn't help. Um, I wouldn't put him on the same level as Sandy Koufax, but kind of in the same thing. Now he didn't have the same six year stretch Koufax did as a hitter, but the point is, is that he suddenly had to leave because his body failed him in a way that wasn't expected. And um, I just think Puckett was a great player and, and a phenomenal human being, too. Uh, and, and just the hometown guy. I, there's just so many different things about him that I really love. Well, I would say the biggest moment to me of that 91 World Series was freaking Chuck Knobloch where he faked out Lonnie Smith into slowing up that would, would have scored the winning run and they would have won the damn game in nine innings. <laughs> You're still so bitter about that because we've talked about that before. I am I, bitter. That, I remember the Braves the should have two World, World Series. Series wins from the 90s. I, I agree. And, and you know, the, I think ugh, the, the pivotal part, okay, the Knobloch thing was just really good baseball. And to be honest. Yes, it was. <laughs> And I'm not going to devolve into – that's not what the discussion is. But the yeah. thing that still ticks me off is the fact when Kent Herbeck didn't pull off Ron Gant when he basically did everything but body slam him. That made me so upset. And it made me upset because all of the people around me that were Twins fans were, no, no, it was just – and I'm like, oh, drive. still, when I see that replay, that one drives me nuts. He did but, this – Herbeck did the same thing in 87 against the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. So he just needs to buy a vowel and move on. So move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, uh, we've got folks uh, where two of us said they were underrated, and that is George Brett, Trevor Hoffman, John Smoltz, Dave Winfield, and Robin Yount. And then I was wondering on that one why Trevor Hoffman got the underrated from Darren while the relievers were uh, previously overrated. So, um, because he's a better reliever than the other guys. Can I can I ask you a question, Darren? When you going back to the Lee Smith thing, what are you basing that on? You said you have a bar for relievers, but when when he retired, Lee Smith had more saves than anyone in history. Oh no, sorry, I didn't have a sorry, I didn't have a bar for I have a bar for anyone. To get into the Hall of Fame, and I felt like Lee Smith didn't hit the bar. He did have he he did have a lot of saves. Mm -hmm. um, I just I, I don't think I don't know. I just I guess 
in hindsight, maybe at the time it, when he retired, he was he he was so, yes, he wasn't but feared as Rivera necessarily because he was yeah I, I've been yeah I've been skewed by Mo very much. I mean, and honestly, if if we relate everybody to Rivera and what he did, but uh, I don't know. That's yeah, everyone pales in that comparison. Yeah, but um, no. I don't know. The Lee Smith thing, I would go, I don't know what I said on those guys. I would disagree with you on the Lee Smith compared to the Bruce Suter. Um, well, yeah, I agree with that. Suter, I definitely, yeah, yeah, I agree. Lee Smith's better than Suter. They played on a terrible team, but um, anyway, that's, I was just, I was going to mention that before. But anyway, we're back, we're talking about Hoffman. So. Well, and I had Hoffman underrated also. And I just, is he not the second? Leading yeah, he had the record of all time. Broke it. So if you compare him to more Mariano Rivera, look at their card prices within the hobby. And part of it's because of Mo being a Yankee and and their what that does to their hobby prices. But Hoffman gets no love within the collecting universe whatsoever to be the second all time leading closer. Yeah, yeah. This was like twenty bucks, twenty five bucks. All right. Um, well, th there's also a dividing line there, though, where uh, some of these 80s guys were still like two inning closers versus, uh, you know, once yeah. you got into Rivera and Hoffman, it was always just the last three guys. So, And Bruce so, Suter won a Cy Young. Yeah. Well, that was probably not warranted, but neither was yeah. Willie Hernandez in 84 either. But true, true story. Um, yeah. Um, uh, let's move on. Uh, there's a, a fun person coming up with the area of two people saying overrated. We have got Goose Gossage, Derek Jeter, Mike Piazza, Jim Rice, and Alan Trammell. All right. Uh, so, uh, uh, Billy and Drew, uh, let's let's uh, tell the Yankee fans on here uh, about uh, Jeter uh, being overrated, huh? Well, so Derek Jeter was a good player. Like, I like Derek Jeter. I have a lot of his cards. But his prices, when you compare them to others from that era, the only one that's even close to him is King Griffey Jr. And I don't think anyone on this earth would argue that Derek Jeter is as good a player as King Griffey Jr. was. I mean, he was on the Yankees. And if it weren't for that, his card prices wouldn't be nearly as high as they are. I think um, not only was he on the Yankees, he charmed New York. Um, you know, one of my things with card prices of any era is a lot of it has to do with the cool factor, you know, and Derek Jeter, like Griffey, had swagger. I mean, absolute oozing it. And, um, and he was, uh, I mean, he was smooth. He was smooth as a player. He was smooth as a person. His his interactions with uh, the media, his interactions with um, fans, that kind of a thing, and that goes a huge way. Um, you know, I I said overrated because he gets lumped in with guys like say Griffey, who Griffey was a multi level player. Jeter was a phenomenal hitter. He was a super consistent hitter, and he was a great hitter. I'll give him that. He was a great hitter. Um, when you know when he was up against the wall uh you know lou's talking about all his world series um and 
and and all those things are true. What he was though was a terrible fielder. But when you look at highlights, highlights of Jeter, there's three highlights that are always shown, and it drives me nuts about how great he is. Because one of them was a phenomenal play when he dove into the stands, cut his face against the Red Sox. Absolutely unbelievable play. I'm not taking that away. The second one was his jump throw, which was not really a great throw. It was flashy, but it wasn't a really great thing. And the third one is that stupid flip that drives me nuts because, um, first of all, it was a bad call. He was safe. Second of all, he interfered with the play. He actually slowed the ball down. He didn't have to make that play. He got in the middle of the play. He did flip the ball uh, to Posada. And Posada made a better, in my opinion, a better play on that play than Jeter did um, because all of a sudden the shortstop comes out of nowhere, catches the ball, does a swipe tag, and um, I, and uh, that that play drives me nuts because that play is, looks about how great he was, but that ball actually would have gotten to home plate slightly quicker. There was all these studies done on it. Um, it, it would have gotten to home plate quicker if he just let it go. But um, anyway, Jeter was a great hitter, but he was really, in my opinion, a one-dimensional player. He was great at that one dimension because I'm not going to argue his hits and his – uh, his that sort of side with it, but um, as as uh, Dom was saying down there, he handled the pressure of being in New York and being the spotlight, being the captain, better than anybody um, that I can think of. So Jeter has five Gold Gloves. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> um, um, but uh, anyway, so that's just my point on it. Is uh, but. So I think he needs to be remembered as a great player. Absolutely needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but as far as, you know, his level, uh, his prices are on level with guys that, um, you know, guys that had more dimension throughout their entire career, not just hitting. But I'm not going to take anything away from his bat. So. Yeah, I mean, myself, I had him properly rated because of how much production he had from what was amounted to a serviceable shortstop. He shouldn't have won five gold gloves or even one in my opinion, but he was a serviceable shortstop who has phenomenal hitting statistics. And the thing that really strikes me is his postseason stats are equal and even slightly better in slugging percentage. And he had a full 158 games in the postseason of sample size. So he was doing just as good in the bright lights against the best pitchers mm -hmm. as he was, you know, during a regular season grind. <laughs> so. Well, um, and let's not pretend he didn't play on some absolutely loaded teams too. Like Kirifu Jr. gets knocked because he didn't win. And you could make the case that on the vast majority of those teams, other than the few years he was with A-Rod, that King Griffey Jr. was the lone star on that team. Yeah, I'm not going to knock anybody ever in baseball for not having a winning team, because that is, out of the major sports, I mean, basketball is the easiest, obviously, to drive to a championship yourself. You know, you still need teammates, but it's five people on the court. Football, the quarterback is obviously the the biggest thing by far, but baseball, you need a whole freaking team uh, across the board to win in that sport. And even when you make it, it's such a crapshoot in the playoffs because there's such a narrow margin, you know, 
if you look at it from a statistical standpoint between it, the the best player and the worst player on the field. So and that's why you need Jeter for that postseason, right? He's like, you know, a guy who plays better under pressure. That I mean, that's plus his 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 hitting. He's one of those guys. It's interesting, right? You get his last year card, and you look at the back of the card, and I think there's maybe like three things that are highlighted through his whole career for leading the league, right? But then you look at his overall career numbers, and he, you know, he was very, very consistent, and he he has some seriously high numbers and some really key areas, right? So, you know, he's, I think he's, I think the fact that he was the captain of the Yankees makes it people expect more of him, but let's say he had the exact same career, but played for, I don't know, Mike's not on this, right? For like the Rangers back then, right? Um, it would be, um, it, I think it'd be a different story, right? So he, people say, wow, he was really good for playing on a team like that, right? So I agree that, you know, being on the Yankees, being in the spotlight, it brings more to it, but at the same time, He's still, if you look at his career numbers and what he achieved and obviously his World Series wins and everything else, he was, you know, I think it was, it's hard to argue that he wasn't pretty solid. I don't think I would have had him proper. Yeah, we both had him properly rated. You know, I'm not, I'm not arguing his, his um, necessity in being in the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer, a first ballot, high vote. None of that is debatable, or my not to me at least. Uh, this is is where he is in the hobby. Uh, that he's uh, with some distance of time, he's looked at. Um, he's looked at as this all around great player, and I don't think he was an all around great player. I think he was a phenomenal hitter that had to take the field half of every inning, and that's kind of the way I look at it. So um, somehow his fielding has gotten mixed in, and I just don't think it's uh, it warrants it. So. But that's I, th- I think a lot of I think a lot of people in the hobby agree, right? Because like the SP, this thing used to be worth like a ton. Now it's I mean his cards, even his 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 tops gold rookie, his regular tops rookie. I think pretty much all. I mean he had some rookie cards that weren't worth that much, like a score. But even his like higher end rookie cards, they're down eighty percent from their peak. Yeah, but I think. And that, to me, when the boom happened, you had a whole lot of, we'll say, baseball watchers coming in with big, deep pockets. Buying oh, yeah. That's the cool factor. They went. That's why the the sort of the guys with all that swagger went nuts. I mean, Jordan kind of started it with the the boom, you mm. know, but swept up along with that. And now all those guys are all all those big spenders are not doing what they were. Um, so it's back to baseball fans. I think the guys that shot up so high are coming back down to the more pure baseball fans, I guess. It sounds really snobbish, and I don't mean it to, but... It, it really is. I mean, it's it's really... And especially anything that's more modern skews the worst right now. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. farther, the farther you go back in time, you know, once you go to pre-war, the prices haven't really changed to go down. You know, this whole down market is not there. But uh, modern, yes. Vintage, a little bit, but you know, yeah. Um, but I, I guess my last take on Jeter is that uh, it's fun to say he's overrated because Yankee fans tend to be obnoxious. So, 
I've never met. But... No, that's not true. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, <laughs> up next, we've got a group where three of us said they were underrated, and that is Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Paul Molitor, Eddie Murray, Yvonne Rodriguez, Mike Schmidt, Frank Thomas, and Jim Tomey. So no real difference of opinion there. Um, I was kind of wondering why all you guys thought Tommy was underrated because I, I kind of felt like his only real Hall of Fame skill was home run hitting. Yes, but I'm sorry. He was really good at it, <laughs> and he was really good at it in the steroids era without taking steroids. And when I say when I say that, I put him as, as underrated. If I could find his rookie card, hold on, I've got it on here somewhere. Here it is. For a guy with as many home runs as he had during the steroid era and not taking steroids, this thing's literally in a 10 is like like 30 bucks. You could literally like you could pick up, he's got the Bowman, he's got the upper deck, and they're both they're they're just so inexpensive for being, you know, 500 home run club during the steroid era, not taking steroids, right? I mean. If he if Tommy had taken steroids, other than being like he'd weigh like six hundred pounds, he he probably would have hit like a thousand home runs, right? But he didn't, and he had a great career regardless. And his cards are like insanely inexpensive; like they're just so cheap. And the 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 Hall of Fame is full of sluggers that didn't hit five hundred home runs in their career. And Jim Tomey made it to over 600 home runs mm -hmm. with yeah. 1,700 RBIs playing. And his war is pretty good for a first baseman in DH for most of his career. Like And, and like Darren was saying, there's no value to Jim Tomey cards whatsoever. For a 600 home run club member is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, when you look at anybody who – and I'm not saying anything away from the 500 home run club. But look at the 600 home run club if you take out – the steroid guys, the guys I saw play that made 600 home runs because before before I was paying attention, there was what Ruth Mays and Aaron, yeah, that's it. And then since then, uh, if you take out the steroids guy, you've got Tommy Griffey, Pujols. Am I missing any? No, that's it. Because I don't count in Bonds, and I'm not counting Sosa, and I'm not counting A Rod. So, you know, the 600, if you take out the steroid guys, doubled um, in that era, and Tommy was one of those guys to do it. Um, that's impressive. Uh, to me, the reason I put him where he is is, um, you're right, he doesn't get a whole lot of hobby love, and he was scary coming up to the plate. If you were in a pressure situation, you did not want to see Jim Tommy coming up, and yes, he could strike out in a fantastic way, or he could hit the ball 14 miles, and... Um, that's a scary thing when you you plan around one hitter to not have to face him in a pressure situation, which is exactly what the opponents did when he was uh, in his career. So I know he wasn't a you know hits guy, he wasn't a great fielder, but man, he was scary. I mean, he honestly he was uh, not quite as intimidating as Aaron Judge, but just as scary as you don't want to face him, or at least last year's Aaron Judge. Um, so that's why I put him where I did. So. All right. Uh, we got a comment in here about Frank Thomas was one of the best overall bats of the 90s along with Gwana. I kind of see him as almost like Pujols 1.0 and then Pujols was the upgrade slightly. Yeah, Frank was insanely good. 
way better than than a lot of people remember but oh yeah he was he was definitely one of the best from that era for sure and in that time he was just a step behind king griffey jr as far as popularity within the hobby back then yeah in the, in the early mid 90s absolutely in fact yeah. in the early 90s his his cards were outselling except for the rookie uh, Griffey, because Thomas was one, Griffey was two for a long time there, mm -hmm. up until about 95 or so. I just remember studying Beckett with it, so. Oh, yeah. And I guess I wonder, does anyone in our community have one of those uh, no-name-on-fronts? Because I haven't seen a video where someone had one of those. Uh, to this so, white out on front, but <laughs> I actually am almost positive. Sorry, Drew. No, um almost positive that I pulled one out of a pack when I was a kid, but we didn't know who Frank Thomas was then. And I remember turning the card over and showing my brother, I don't even know who this is because there's no name on front, on the front of the card. And I was angry about it. I have no idea what happened to it. I probably sold it at the local card shop for 40% of Beckett back then. It's hard to say. Oh man, that's crazy. <laughs> I've yeah. never even seen one at a show or anything, so. no. Yeah, I saw one at the National this year. I didn't buy it because I'd rather have a 33 Yaddy Ruth than a sure. Frank Thomas. But yeah. <laughs> That's true, Lou. Yeah, he did have a video game there. All right. Up next, uh, we've got two guys uh, where three of us overrated, said overrated, and that is Jack Morris and Ryan Sandberg. Uh, I figured Jack Morris was properly rated in the in the dollar bins or or less. So this a hobby. Do you mind if I take the lead on this? Go for it. I'll be the bad guy. So arguably, Jack Morris should not even be in the Hall of Fame. He has none of the Hall of Fame marker stats. I think he's got 260 wins for his career, which is good. Don't get me wrong. Um, he doesn't have 3,000 strikeouts for his career. Um, if I'm not mistaken, did he did he ever win a Cy Young? I don't think he won a Cy Young either. His no. I think his career ERA is like just a touch below four. I think it's 395. There you go. I mean, so to me, the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame makes him overrated, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of feel like uh, him along with another guy in this list, it's almost like the hobby treats them like they didn't actually get elected. So. But. Uh, True. <laughs> yeah. Who's I the other guy on the list you're thinking? Who are you, or are we there yet? I don't want to. We're not there yet. Okay. Right. Jack's mom just called. She said, take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Sorry, man. Sorry. Oh, that's uh, any comments on the the Ryan Ryan Sandberg? Uh, we uh, got a, some people saying that he's overrated in the chat. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think so. When I think of Ryan Sandberg, I think of you know when I was collecting cards back in the eighties. His his eighty three tops card was one of the is one of the like when I was a kid. Like oh, that's a cool card to get. It's like getting the Boggs rookie or the Gwen rookie. And then as his you know career progressed, he was a good player. But I wouldn't say that he, I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's hard for me to judge. If I played baseball, I'd be like the shittiest player who ever played. But, you know, it's, it, he he wasn't, he didn't have the, 
I don't think his career numbers warrant him being more than like a just considered a very good baseball player. But isn't that kind of what happens with almost every second baseman? Because that seems like one of the most neglected positions uh, for good players. Um, well, Rogers Hornsby was good. Yeah, I'm saying like Lou Whitaker, Bobby Gritch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but in the same era, I mean, I would take Roberto Alomar every single day over Ryan Sandberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is. This is I try to be as objective as possible with this with Ryan Sandberg because it's in my blood to hate the Cubs. But it, just compare his offensive numbers to Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent offensively was a better player who is still not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think part of that, and this is one of the this, it's it's sort of devolving into why they're in the Hall or not discussion. But part of that, Hall of Fame is voted on by people, obviously. Uh, Jeff Kent is a documented jerk and Ryan Sandberg is a documented, really nice guy. And I yeah. think that has massive way to do it. I've, that, that just pulls enough in my opinion of why one is and one isn't. I'm not saying they should or shouldn't be. I'm not saying Ryan Sandberg shouldn't be a hall of famer. I just think he's a little overrated. He's kind of put in the same lump category as other guys from that era that we don't quite remember. Like for instance, um, He's kind of like lumped in with Cal Ripken Jr. and that sort of – they're not equal. Ripken was a much better all-around baseball player than Ryan Sandberg, so they don't need to be equalized. Um, and, and Ripken overall has a little bit more of a bump. I get that. But I'm just saying he's kind of lumped into a category of guys that I don't feel within the hobby he's equal to. So that's why I put what I did. Well, and there's no doubt he's in the Hall of Fame. And when he retired, he was up there among the best second baseman offensively of all time. He's just been surpassed. And I think with time, like John said, that causes people to get forgotten about. Yeah. He was no doubt a really good second baseman for for when he played. Well, he's got the benefit of being on TV every day with WGN during that era. Uh, the Cubs being the lovable losers with the hundred year whatever, not no World Series. Well, what eighty something then? But uh, and then on top of that, didn't he actually get a couple MVPs? He and, did uh, and I know he had a really long like airless streak um, at one point too. So he got notoriety as a fielder. So I don't know, but. Uh, let's move on. The next grouping I have, all four of us agreed on these three guys being underrated. And that is Tony Gwynn, Ricky Henderson, and Randy Johnson. Uh, I just feel like all three of these guys were just absolute legendary performers and don't get elevated quite as high as they should. Um, any other thoughts on that? Uh, Darren's got some cards here. Yeah, I think. Uh, okay, well, I, I don't want to go out to Ricky Henderson changed the game of baseball, and there's not a whole lot of people in history that can say that. Um, they started using the slide step because they had to figure out a way to stop him from trying to steal so much. And the fact that that's now just the way it is, there's not a ton of people throughout history that because they were so much better than everybody else in history, 
that everybody had to change the way the game was played. Ricky, that's insane to me. Mm. And Ricky can threaten so many different ways. Yes, he stole tons of bases, but his presence on the bases was enough of a distraction that gave the batter, his teammate, an advantage because they weren't focused on. They were focused on. Um, they were focused on Henderson. That is an ex- extremely rare thing that a guy could be a threat anywhere he's on the field. You know what I mean? Unless he's in the dugout, he was a threat. Um, so that's Henderson. Gwynn, phenomenal. Nobody, I can't, there's other guys that were just super consistent, uh, not power hitters. They hit a ton of hits um, that I saw play. Gwynn was the best, a- absolutely the best. Um, he studied, and we. this is so documented now, but he studied himself. He studied play. He studied, he was a, he was a wizard at, he was a savant at hitting, I guess the way to say it. I don't know how else to say it. And Randy Johnson was the most scary person I'd ever seen pitch. You know what I mean? Mm. And there's other guys like you knew you could get killed by um, at a moment's notice. Um, but Johnson was the only guy who could actually reach out and strangle you from the mound and do it. Um, his height, you know, the, the, the hair, the stare, yeah. everything. There was just everything about him was intimidating. Um, you know, Pedro was very equal, except he was half his size. So, you know, Pedro would um, bean you in a second if he needed to or felt he needed to. Um, you know, Johnson was just, again, he was kind of like Tommy. You didn't want to face him in a bad situation. I mean, 2001, he came in to relief to finish the game to win the World Series on one day's rest. Um, that was intimidation. Um Anyway, so that's why I put those three guys where they are. And uh, I, I, I was going to say, when you kill it, kill a bird on the field. That's uh, <laughs> Adam's here legend. That cool. Yeah, and it wasn't that he killed it; he exploded it. Yeah, it literally burst. If the bird yeah. just fell over yeah. and died, and it was sad, no, it exploded like a cartoon. And that again, it's almost—it's legendary. How crazy that is! Um, and it was an accident, but still, it wasn't—you know. Tom Pachorek that did it. It was Randy Johnson. You know what I mean? So that just added to the whole um, mystique of them. Because if you felt you got hit, feathers would fly out of you. So that was just crazy. Yeah. And Orlando's bringing up another moment I thought of as well. The John Cruck yeah. uh, all-star at bat. Yeah. And or the Larry Walker one too. Same thing. Randy Johnson, arguably the greatest left-handed pitcher of all time. Mm. No value within the hobby. His 89 upper deck in a 10, I think, is worth 100, 150 bucks. Like, well, that's I was wondering the one, the one you showed is that the Marlboro one, or yeah, I have the, the Marlboro ad. And this was, um, that this had been in my collection since I was a kid. And when I went back through everything and threw a bunch of stuff away, um, I came across it and saw that it was, it still had the Marlboro ad. Nice. Yeah. That's a sweet card. And at the time, I think in a 10, that was like a $1,000 card. And then Tony Gwynn, 338 career batting average. Like, what what else needs to be said about him? Really, with Ricky Henderson, him coming out the day he broke Lou Brock's record and saying he was the greatest of all time, Yeah, that is what hurt Ricky within the hobby. Because back then, he was pretty much as big as it got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with what everybody said, right? Ricky Henderson, yeah. one of the best. I, I honestly think he's one of the best players of all time. Some of the career stats he has, obviously, he's super fast, broke all kind of records. 
He's he he was a threat all the time, no matter where he was on base. I mean, he 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 and he did it for a long time too, right? There's guys that you know have one or two seasons where they're like, wow, they you know had some really really great steals. He did it consistently for 24 years. Um, Randy Johnson, obviously one of the best of all time. He's, you know, number two all time in strikeouts. Um, you know, he, he's scary. I mean, the guy had four seasons in a row towards the end of his career where he had over 300 strikeouts a season for four in a row or something. It was just ridiculous. And then, um, Gwen, I just, I think Gwen is probably out of the three, the most underrated because if you, if you think about having a career 338 batting average as a modern baseball player, that's crazy. That to me, that's just crazy. Like right now, who I, Cabrera last year had the highest career batting average of any active player that had, you know, had what five had played at least five seasons or something. And it was like a 310 or something like that. Right. So um, having a 338, I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's, it's you, you you probably won't see that again yeah and like don just said right it, he gwen worked with ted williams on his swing he was he, he he studied he studied the best and learned from the best and he was just such an incredible hitter it's just ridiculous that he had a 338 career batting i just it boggles my mind that in modern baseball he had such a high batting average compared to where everything is now and how much better does he do if he actually uh maintains his fitness uh you know, he had like almost 60 stolen bases uh, when he was young. So, yeah. Or, or played on the Yankees, plug yeah. Tony Gwynn into some of those 90s Yankees lineups, and the dude's hitting 400. Mm-hmm. That's true. He didn't have anybody really protecting him for a lot of his career. So, no. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we are to the phase of differing opinions here. Uh, to start things off, let's go with this guy, Mr. Dennis Eckersley, who uh, Drew has is overrated. Yep. Not, not a lot of explanation. Um, it's a good looking know, card, Darren. Thanks. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Look how off center that bad boy is. Nice. $65 Beckett price in 1993. Oh, wow. Uh, my thing with Eckersley is, again, I, I'm i not looking at dollar bins. I don't know who's where. I don't know what their active cards are. or their, uh, I, I'm looking at how they're remembered versus what I remember seeing them. And, you know, he had a stretch towards the end of his career, especially as a closer, uh, when he was on the A's that, you know, he was feared. And again, he was kind of that Randy Johnson, tall, lanky, um, you know, sort of, he was a feared pitcher or whatever, but a lot of his career, he was just a consistently good or whatever pitcher, especially early on. And I, it, until he really got to Oakland with the whole bash brother thing, when they all, the, the whole, um, I just want to see what Dom's saying. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there was this this mentality of that the A's were just this the bad boys, so to speak, and he fit right in with that, you know. Um, and I don't know, I just I didn't for a lot of his career, he was just a good pitcher. Um, he played for a long time. Uh, he did go from starter to reliever and do with that successfully, so you got to give him that. 
but I don't know. Just to me, he he just seems overrated for how he ended his career, and people talked about him one of the greatest of all time. And I just never felt that way. It's, at least the statistics didn't seem to support that. But I don't. I know. would agree all with right. that. Definitely not one of the greatest of all time. But I think that it, it, it's interesting that he was able to succeed as a closer, making that switch kind of midway through his career. I think he had some pretty solid seasons as a closer, right? And and I think that he, and kind of like what, what Tom said in his comment, his cards are so inexpensive, even his like more, his pre-80s stuff, so his vintage cards, they're not that expensive. So I, I so I went with properly rated. I think that if his cards were expensive, I definitely would have put him as overrated. But I think he was a, you know, really good pitcher who you could get pre-80s cards in good condition for pretty cheap. Who, you know, he I I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So I would put him as properly rated. And Billy, you had uh, underrated. I did. And and you guys may think I'm insane right now with what I'm about to say. But had he have stuck to one or the other for the length of his career, he may have gone down as one of the best ever. So he had 200 and I think 16 wins as a starter, won 20 games in a season, and then I think finished with 390 saves in his career, which is more than some of the guys that are in the Hall of Fame that were closers for their entire career. So I had him as underrated. All right. All right. Yeah, I had him properly rated myself. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, he does. I, I don't. I mean, was he actually on a Hall of Fame trajectory as a starter? I, I kind of remember his stats looking more like Hall of Very Good as opposed to Hall of Fame. So, um, but definitely as a single inning closer, uh, that three-year, four-year stretch there that, I mean, we haven't really seen uh, the equal to that. Uh, yeah, and, and in 92, he won the, the the Cy Young Award and the MVP Award as a closer. That's not – that's unheard of, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, wasn't he like 51 for 52 one season even? Uh, and – but of course, we have the uh, the big moment that, uh, unfortunately for him in the postseason with Mister Gibson there, that kind of spoils uh, memories of Eckersley. So, eh, but he became a full time closer at the age of thirty three and ended up with three hundred ninety saves. Yeah. Pitched for a long time. Yeah, he did. Yeah, twenty four seasons. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I agree with him being in the Hall of Fame now, but uh, I so I think he's kind of properly rated, being kind of more of a, a bargain buy at this point. So, um, up next, we have got a longtime catcher, Mr. Carlton Fisk, and he was rated as overrated by Darren. Yeah, I think that he was a good catcher. I don't think his uh, his offensive stats were very good. And I think that uh, when I think – he's one of the players where I think about because he was a little, a little before my time, right? A lot of these guys played kind of at their peaks when I was a kid watching baseball where he was at his peak probably when I was a little too young. But, uh, you know – 
when people talk to me, especially like family back in Boston, you know, the old timers talk to me about Carlton Fisk, Pudge, this, that, the other thing. And I'm like, oh, wow, this guy is awesome. And then you look at the stats and you're like, he was really good. So I, I had him as. I, I well, his antics at home plate in 75 obviously got, got a lot of attention. Yeah. I think one of the, the things that you're, again, it has to do with, we, like we talked about with Kirby Puckett, one of the things with Fisk was he absolutely ran his team on the field. Um, and while he wasn't uh, Mike Piazza as a hitter and a catcher, um, you know, as far as statistics are concerned, he ran the, the his, ran his pitching staff. He ran the field. He was in charge. He was, uh, and, and there's something to be said about that as a catcher. You know what I mean? He, he, he controlled what was going on on the field and, and he did it both sides of his career, both in Boston and in Chicago. And, and that's what I remember him doing. I remember him a guy that it's not that the pitchers were scared to, you know, um, pitch to him as much as like his teammates were scared to cross him. You know what I mean? And, and there's something about being a leader that you can't statistics that Carlton Fist had. So that's why I put him properly. I think I did at least. Um, you actually have him as uh, un- underrated. Okay. Well, in that case, that's why I'm saying a little underrated <laughs> because I really felt like he had more of a presence on the field. Um, not just at his bat, you know what I mean? Um, but that, that's kind of where I fall on them. I agree that that's important, Drew. And af- offline, you and I can have this conversation again about Yogi Berra. <laughs> yeah, because if you're ready to – never mind. We're not going back there. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I wanted to put him as underrated myself. Um, but then when I looked, he's widely considered one of the five to ten best catchers of all time, which is where I would put him. So for me, he was properly rated. I like Greg's comment. Again, I didn't say he wasn't a leader. In fact, I said he was a leader. Uh, I just said he was a terrible fielder, and he's remembered as a, a savant in the field, and he wasn't. So um, that's all. And Jeremy Jombie should have just freaking slid, and then we wouldn't have this discussion. But anyway. <laughs> all right. Uh, up next, uh got mr harold baines everyone's favorite hall of famer i don't have any of his cards so i have nothing to show sorry <laughs> and uh we've got uh well darren you said he was overrated so uh he has a lot of rbis but he played for a really long time I and mean, i don't know what else to say yeah isn't that, that- I think that if I made a list of the five people in the Hall of Fame that that are not deserving of it, he would be on that list. All time five, not just from this list. So you think his uh, rookie card should be a common and and not in the dollar bin? You know what? I'll say his rookie card in a in a ten should be in a dollar bin. That's fair. <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, let's see. Uh, we got uh, Jason wants to give Bane some love. He was his right. guy. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> so here's here's my thing because I said I said he was underrated, and I told John privately before this. I said 
I did this intentionally. Now, I was not like a big Harold Baines fan when he was a player or whatever. Um, I think a lot of people are bitter about Harold Baines being in the Hall of Fame, kind of like what Darren's saying, because they didn't see it coming. Like, just like you said in our pre-discussion, Darren, you said, he's what? Like, nobody saw that coming. And whether he deserves or doesn't deserve is not what I'm trying to debate. Um, I think, but because people were surprised, because people like to, especially baseball fans, sports fans in general, like to think they know everything. Um, we all are like, so-and-so should be because I think he should be, or so-and-so, you know, is going to be, and then they are because I knew it and all this, uh, you know, no one really talked about Baines as, well, maybe he will someday. Like, I didn't, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden he is, people yeah. were shocked, including me, and because they were shocked, even though his career was didn't change, it had already been over, people now hate Harold Baines, and I don't, that's why I think he's underrated, not because Harold Baines. <laughs> career changed when he made the hall of fame but the people didn't see it coming and they were upset with the hall of fame the veterans committee life in general because they didn't see it i don't really know but the point is that's why i feel he was underrated because so many people put him down for being voted in the hall of fame when again he played his career he didn't make a big public um you know campaign to put himself in the hall of fame he didn't try to prop himself up as i belong there he was just doing his daily thing, whatever his life was doing, and all of a sudden he's in the Hall of Fame. He was probably just as surprised as all of us. I'm but sure he, he probably was surprised. I mean, but the point is, is that people are so angry that he's in the Hall of Fame, they take it out on his career, and I don't think that's fair because I think he was a really, really good player. Yes, he probably should be in the very Hall of Very Good, but I think he needs more love than he's actually getting. I think he's getting a lot of hatred because people just didn't see it coming. And that's why I kind of put them in there. And plus, I had to say something slightly controversial. So. <laughs> no, that's so, fair. I had him as underrated too, believe it or not, because he's hated within the hobby. I mean, let's just face facts. Yeah. But for his career, he has almost 400 career home runs. He has 2,800 hits and 1,600 RBIs. How many guys are in, are in the Hall of Fame with those, aren't in the Hall of Fame with those numbers? No, that's a good point. But the way I, my, my position is similar, but the way I look at it is the guy played 22 seasons. He, I don't think he ever led the league in anything his entire career. He has not quite 3000 hits, not quite 400 home runs, not quite a 290 batting average. You know, he does have a lot of RBIs career wise. He doesn't have a ton of runs scored. And then if you look at if you, if you were to look at his his take his like four or five best seasons, and you compare them to somebody who you say this part this this hitter deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, right? And you compare his three or four best seasons to those people's average seasons, it's probably pretty close. I think the one thing that he had going for him was longevity, and I'm never going to give crap to that longevity because my favorite guy played the longest, but. I think he was able to get stats career-wise that look pretty good. But if you were to kind of take his average per season of, of all the stats, it was average. I don't think he ever even had this. I don't think he had like one season where you'd say, wow, that was a, that, that was a standout season of his career, right? You could say, well, that was, you know, numerically the best, but not like a standout season. 
like even when i was a kid i was never like opening a pack of cards i'm like yes harold baines i'd be like all right well on the flip side of harold baines i was about to quote the war that don just put up there 38 war for his career and in those days he was considered a common in the 90s Mm -hmm. so like drew said it was completely out of left field that harold baines went into the hall of fame yeah Mm. but again to me i'm not discussing if he should be in the hall or not my thing is is he getting the proper hobby love and i think it's not that he's not getting the love like he should be revered it's this he's getting hatred that i don't feel he deserves because other people put him in a hall that he wasn't even pushing for no, and, and I agree. He gets a lot of extra crap because of that. Exactly. But and even if he wasn't in the Hall of Fame, I still wouldn't think that he was. Well, again, his cards are cheap, so it's hard to gauge the overrated and underrated if you're basing it on collectability, right? Because he's not collectible at all, and his stats warrant that, right? So, yeah. And what do you guys think about this comment here? If he had 134 more hits, would that change your view? He would have had to play three more seasons. At that, at that, at the pace he was on at the end of his career to get those hits, but maybe not. If he played I mean, twenty-five seasons at three thousand hits, I'd say maybe. That's the kind of thing where I was kind of celebrating when Johnny Damon retired and fell short of three thousand because I did not want that conversation of him <laughs> being a Hall of Famer. But I, Baines is almost one of the guys, the rare guys, or maybe the only one who almost seemed like his prices dropped when he made the Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, you know that's what true. Got, got to love negative. How you, Mookie Chilton, from a quarter to a nickel, but still, um, right. I, I don't know. It's just to me, it's a. I, I think he gets a lot of undue hatred when he do anything. Like it's a personal thing for him to take this hatred when he didn't do anything but play a really good career for a really long time. He ended up somewhere he may not deserve, but. But he's hated for it. I don't. That's what I don't understand. And I agree so, with you. That that's tough, right? And it's one of those things where if he didn't get in the Hall of Fame, I feel like he would probably be viewed differently. He's, and and that's the thing, right? It's when the Veterans Committee sets a kind of resets a standard. It it, it it's not his fault. It's definitely not his fault. No, it's the Veterans it's, Committee's fault. It, it's and just a it's not a positive for him it's a continuation of the way the hall has always been with the veterans committee. It's cronyism is what it is. And mm-hmm. it it's not anywhere near as prevalent as it used to be. I just heard a really, really good podcast today um, on this very discussion. And it talked about cronyism from way back. And if you're not familiar with all these guys that got in because they happened to be on the right team with the right guy who had the right voice, um, it's, it's really an interesting discussion. And I think Baines just kind of slipped in there because of that. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I think Theo's right. We, we probably spend too much time on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently it's so fun. Right. Oh, All right. So up next, let's go for uh, a more recent uh, inductee, Mr. Fred McGriff, that has uh, two of us saying he's overrated and one underrated. You want to you start out, Darren? Uh, yeah, I think he, I, I had him, what, overrated? Yep. Yeah, um, he's better than Harold Baines. Um, <laughs> no question. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he he was, I think, again, it the Hall of Fame thing is what's it's 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 what's kind of messing with me on some of these guys. He had a really good career. He almost had 500 home runs. Um, you know, he was a little bit of a stretch to batting 300. You know, he 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 was you know further from 3,000 hits than Harold Baines was, but he played a shorter career. Um, I think in general, though, he was a better. I mean, he was, he was more of a power hitter. He had a couple. He had some good seasons, and his career, I think, was good. But again, I get I, I get skewed when I think about the Hall of Fame. I think that's the place where they put the the greatest of all time. And if somebody said, "Hey, it's Fred McGriff, one of the greatest of all time," I'd say no. I was in the same place. Uh, I also said overrated. I, you know, I loved him playing for the Braves, but he was never the best player on his team his entire career. He was never the best first baseman in, in his league his entire career. Uh, he was very good for a long time. Um, so I don't know. Uh, he ends up compiling. Yeah, he he would have got the 500 home runs without the strike year, but mm-hmm. uh, he still was never like the best. And the Hall of Fame should be all the guys that were the best. But the, the argument could be made that there are lots of guys in the Hall of Fame that were never the best. I rated Fred McGriff as properly rated because to me. He was the model of consistency. Every year he was going to get you right around 30 home runs and really close to 100 RBIs. And he was one of the feared hitters in baseball. He wasn't the most popular guy. Like you said, he was probably never the best guy on his team. But when you put that consistency together over a near 20-year career, then you're going to end up with some pretty solid numbers, and that's what gets him in. Yeah. I had him as underrated because because of what Billy just said is uh, I think he should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago, but I feel that because he wasn't, he was kind of forgotten um, in the hobby. Uh, he was super consistent for a number of teams for a long time. Uh, he wasn't just a pretty good player. He was a guy that showed up every single day and did his job and did it well, and if I'm doing anything in a team, whether it's a sport or my regular job, I want those type of guys on my team. And he was a, he was a feared hitter. I think what really hurt him was he so badly wanted to hit 500 home runs that he hung on too long. When, uh, when he was in Tampa, he just swung for the fence every time and struck out ugly every time. Um, And it was just, it was kind of sad because, he was trying to do something, and, and then he wasn't that team player that I remembered through the, the 80s and 90s, and especially the 90s. So, anyway, I feel he was underrated. I, I think he is because it took him way too long to get into the Hall of Fame because I really think he was – no, he wasn't the greatest of his time, um, but he definitely deserved to be in the Hall, and I think he his hobby prices, um, or at least remembrance, actually reflect that, that – he was kind of forgotten and he shouldn't have been. So, All right. Uh, we've got one player left. And he received 
two overrateds and one underrated. And that would be Mr. Ozzie Smith. Uh, man. Sorry, guys. I bought this before I knew what BCCG was. I've had this one for a really long time. <laughs> That's a nine. Well, look at this BVG bad boy right here. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Those <laughs> definitely get hot. Card. BVG just totally gets hobby love now. I bought that off of Chris, too. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and start out on this one. I had him as overrated. I felt like uh, he is not that far away from Omar Vizquel with some backflips and showmanship and his team being better to get him some playoff action. And, you know, he's, I, I kind of feel uh, he's overrated. So terms of how much love he gets i agree i think he's a great shortstop oh i'm debating if i should say what i want to say but i'm going to say it because you guys don't live near me so i feel <laughs> he's he's basically identical but flip-flopping positions of Derek jeter he is a one-dimensional player is absolutely phenomenal at that one dimension and the other one not so good at all he was a terrible hitter um, but he was the best shortstop, and he was flashy, and he was just like Jeter in the fact that he was absolutely beloved by his fan base uh, and put on a heck of a show. Jeter put on a heck of a show. Um, so I feel like he's underrated because he was such a good um, fielder, and, and he was just so much fun to watch. I, you know, I didn't count how many of these guys I got to see in person, but I did get to see Ozzy Smith in person. And I remember when I was a kid and later when I was a little bit older and got to watch him, when the field, when the play was going on, I was watching to see what he was going to do. And he had that draw when he was on the field of, I just don't want to miss anything he's going to do. Kind of like, um, you know, if uh, like last year when Judge came up to bat, everybody was watching, is he going to hit one? How far is he going to hit it? Like everybody was looking. Well, that's what they did, except they looked at him at shortstop. What is he going to do? Um, with his phenomenal glove. And and so I feel he's underrated because he doesn't get a whole lot of love. Um, I mean, hitting is always going to be the king as far as the hobby goes um, over pitching and fielding. But I think he was the best fielder, uh, especially at, in my, my opinion, one of the hardest positions on the field. And, um, and he did it for a long time. He was really good. And he was just a lot of fun to watch. But he's not really remembered except for uh, he wasn't, you know, his batting average was terrible. He hit six home runs in his career or something ridiculous. Yeah, so he actually had, just to piss off Theo, I'm going to talk about Harold Baines for a sec. Harold Baines' best season, he hit one more home run than Ozzy Smith hit in his entire career. Okay, keep <laughs> you, going, sorry. Your love for Harold Baines is what I'm thinking because you keep bringing him back. <laughs> um, so, obviously, me as the Cardinals fan – and the one that put Ozzy was underrated because I feel all Cardinals are underrated. But the first thing that people talk about when they talk about Ozzy Smith isn't what a great defender he is most of the time. It was how bad of a hitter he was. Mm -hmm. And the old guys, when I was younger, used to say when Ozzy Smith first came up, you could knock the bat out of his hand, right? 
but he had a year where he won a silver slugger. He hit over 300, drove in 70 RBIs in 87. Ozzie Smith worked really hard to become a good hitter, and his 262 career batting average and 2,700 hits for his career is probably not known by too many people because they just think 13 gold gloves and backflips and and barehanded grabs on diving ground balls. You know what I mean? But he ended up making himself a pretty decent hitter, and he was a good base stealer. He was a great base runner. Um, so I think he was a little bit more multidimensional than people give him credit for. No, I will give him that. He, he definitely, I mean, he, he definitely, he was a good base runner. He had a lot of stolen bases. Apparently 580. Five, yeah. He had 580 stolen bases. Yeah. He, he has slightly more stolen bases than bonds, which, and that's, I'm not meaning that negatively, it's positively, right? I mean, bonds is like, Hey, he's the 500, 500 guy. Yeah. So there you go. Mookie bases. Ozzy is the best eighth place hitter in the hall of fame. <laughs> of course he'd be ninth now in the national league now that they have a dh yes see <laughs> yeah no i think yeah that's that's kind of where i was with with my i don't wanna i don't want to rag some, on did him. some pitchers hit ahead, ahead, ahead of them ever did the cardinals have any good hitting pitchers <laughs> Well, Tony Larusa liked to bat the hitter eighth, um, but I think that was already after Tony Larusa had replaced Ozzie Smith with Royce Clayton, of all of all people. Even your boy Chris is saying good hitter. Come on, Billy. <laughs> he he goes on and on and on for days about Eddie Patek. So, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, any other comments about any other player? Um, you know, this conversation, I I was on the verge of almost saying Eddie Murray was overrated, which would have been against you guys. Because mm -hmm. I, I looked at like the last years of his career and he did end up with 500 home runs, mm -hmm. but his last 100 and like 20, he sucked. I mean, yeah, he it, was it, a it, bad first baseman to to get that to get to 500. Yeah, but so, the one thing that he's got going for him is he's in the 3,000 hit club and the 500 home run club. Yep. So, yeah, and but he, he hung on way too long. True. Well, I mean, there are a lot of them that did. Mm. So did. Oh, I'm not saying that. There's a lot of players <laughs> that we revere that probably should have retired a few years early. Heroes. <laughs> um, I'm just. It's my point is uh, my thing with with uh, Eddie Murray was he was never looked at as the greatest player. He always was second tier to some other sort of great player on his team. And uh, but he was the third player to get five hundred and three thousand. Uh, the other two being Mays and Aaron, who were both pretty good and both hung on too long um, and stretched out their offensive numbers. So, uh, you know, I I think he's underrated because he wasn't. He wasn't, he was never the greatest on his team, or at least he was never perceived as it. But man, he was just really good and really consistent for a really, really long time on a few different teams. So, um, I don't know. I, I always liked Eddie Murray. Always. I, I did put him as underrated. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of you guys did, and I, I almost went too. overrated. I was close. Oh, you did? I was close to saying overrated and ended up saying properly. Okay. But, so, I mean, switch hitter, almost 2,000 RBIs for his career. Like, that's yeah. that's inner circle stuff there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Number two home run for switch hitter behind Mantle. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's just. You know, his career numbers dipped a lot in terms of all his averages because he hung on for at least five seasons too long. But um, we got a comment from Theo asking us to comment on uh, Reuters here. I don't know. Do we want to go there? <laughs> Compared to what? Their, their card collecting and stuff? Because if Cause I think they get battered on that front from as far as hobby love because of the Royd issue. Yeah, I would say if you just look at their career, yeah, I think they're almost, oh man, I'm really going to dig a hole because I wasn't prepared for this fight. I almost think they're underrated based on their statistics and what their prices should be because of their implications in steroids. How about that first thing? I would say, I would agree with Drew. Based on the price of their cards, I think that both of those guys are underrated in the hobby based on their careers, tainted as they are. I think one of the issues with both of those two versus the other steroid guys is not only would they have been slam dunk Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. both of them would have already been considered one of the best pitcher and hitter of all time without the steroids. And that's what I think ticks so many people off about those two more than the other guys. Um, there was guys that sort of, you know, like Sosa, for instance, like, how good would he have really been if he didn't do what he did? Um, Bonds, there was no question. Uh, Clemens, there was no question how much better they were than everybody else. And then that wasn't enough for them. So their ego on top of all that, just may, it just puts a bad taste in people's mouth, including myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I fall. I think that when you look at their career, even without the steroids, they're, uh, I hate to say this phrase, but they're underrated based on that because of their steroids though you can't separate the two that's the thing is because they did what they did you know what i mean um but yeah it's like it's part of the story and it has a downward pull on their values ultimately so yeah but it's just yeah i I mean i i think bonds was just a hair below griffey i i felt like you know he was right there with him pre-steroids price wise yeah but even just you know performance oh performance well yeah uh i think bonds actually probably exceeded in certain things like batting average uh not in home runs because until he started juicing he didn't hit the home yeah uh he was a better base dealer than than griffey was yeah Uh, but uh within the hobby love griffey was again griffey was the kid man he had the hat on backwards he always smiling and bonds was a jerk and oh, yeah. far, he still is. And that's why he his price has never hit it because fans couldn't get – people didn't go out to – the kids didn't go to the ball field and imitate the swing of Barry Bonds because he could hit it like he did. And Griffey was just smooth, and, and he was just loved. You know what I mean? He was an icon. He was a hero. And um, Bonds was an incredible player, but he was not an icon or a hero like that. So, Well, I kind of feel like Clemens is a little bit the same way that – you didn't really like the guy if you weren't a Red Sox fan early yeah. on. So I, you know, growing up, Clemens was hitting all his stride when I was in high school. And then 
and and he he came across super intense but not a super jerk um turned out he was a super jerk but um he the media didn't really show him as much of a jerk as they did with bonds at least that's what i perceived growing up but super intense kind of that randy johnson intensity uh that we talked about earlier that's kind of the way clemens had that perception at least again that's the way i saw it so yeah didn't clemens like brush his son back at like a father-son game one time i don't know i've i've heard that about <laughs> people so um, he was just kind of gibson-esque with his competitiveness mm. and, yeah, but and no theo i don't think mcguire is overrated because we don't know when he started taking steroids and who else was taking them he hit 49 home runs as a rookie if yeah. steroids helped him stay healthy um, cause McGuire was a beast, um, way before steroids. Um, he just couldn't stay healthy consistently. I like Theo's comment. Yeah. The roids were for Clemens wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bonds was pretty weak arm. That's how I ended up in left field, but at least he was accurate cause he still did nail people at second base. Uh, pretty good when they, uh, tried to yeah. get a double on him. So. Couldn't get a good brain though, could he? So sorry. <laughs> With his busted up knees, can barely walk. Yeah, I think I could have beat him in a foot race that day. So but anyway. All right. Bash Brothers of my childhood. Roids ruined it. Sorry, sorry, yeah. I feel like Roids uh kind of ruined our whole uh most of our era because yeah. you know. Between the Canseco, you know, he was one of the biggest guys. And then Mattingly's, Mattingly's back falling apart early. You know, he was the whole big start of rookie card craze. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, all right. Uh, I think uh, we about covered things here. Uh, the, the chat was uh, really awesome tonight. Thank mm. you for everybody that. I mean, this chat was flying. I had a hard time keeping up with it at some <laughs> points. Uh, thank you to the panel, Darren, Drew, Billy. Yeah, thanks for great having to us. have all you on. It's great uh, chatting with you, fellas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was and everybody great that time. joined in on the chat. Thanks for thanks for watching. Yeah, yeah thanks for all the comments. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a fun time, guys, and uh, we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.